0: So it was sometime during the first hour of open line this morning when Michael Rydelnik had stopped for just a second and he was making a few announcements and uh, Michael, who is a good friend and uh, beyond that, of course, one of the greatest Bible scholars in the world today, maybe nobody knows more about Bible prophecy than Michael Rydelnik, but my name came up and uh, he said... Maybe Ray is driving to the church right now, or maybe he is flying in. Well, I got in from New York to Kansas City, which is where we live, and we I got in last night, and Marlene sort of unpacked me and repacked me, and we left from Shawnee, Kansas, about 6:15 this morning. And when open line came on, just hooked my cell phone in, and I was listening. And then Michael said, maybe. Ray is on the way to the church, and at that moment we were coming into Des Moines on our way to be here. Now listen to everything Michael had to say. And, and also, then someone here at the church sent me the MP3 of Michael's message last night on Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. One thing you may not know is a lot of people think that might be the hardest passage in all the Old Testament to properly understand, so I listened to the m p three this morning and he 's right it 's just arithmetic that 's all it is it's just it 's just arithmetic and he made he took that impossibly difficult passage and he made it so simple. Uh, I want to say uh, not just about Michael but about all the other speakers it 's been fantastic fantastic to have a conference like this five hundred and seventy some and then more pre-registered and people coming, and all the tremendous messages. You know what it shows us? It shows us the tremendous hunger people have in our day to understand God's plan for the future. Some people think that prophecy conferences are a thing of the past. They are wrong. They are wrong. Uh, Your interest and your attendance proves the importance of this topic. And I want to thank uh, my Longtime friend. Brian and I have been friends for 33 years. Brian and Beth and Marlene and I, we go way back together, way back into the last century. And <laughs> and it's true. He's a member of the board of our ministry. He asked me to come and, uh, you know, I'm never going to pass up a chance to. Uh, I love Brian and Beth and this church. I've been here several times before in a prophecy conference, while wow. so Brian, thank you for the invitation, for having the vision to do this conference, and to the staff and the elders of the church work so hard. Thank you all for coming. Now, let's pray together, and then we will get started. Father, we thank you that you have given us these days, these sessions. Thank you, Lord, for the tremendous interest that is here. We thank you for the word of truth. Thank you, Lord, that your word is truth. Lord, open your word to us tonight by the Holy Spirit. As we come to consider the shocking revelation of a coming world dictator, Lord, uh, help us to remember as we study this topic, you own everything. You control everything. You hold the world in your hands. Use us tonight Our time tonight to strengthen our faith, our confidence in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to talk to you for a while tonight on the topic, The Path to 666, Five Signs of the Mark of the Beast. Consider these recent headlines. What in the world is wrong with this country? They are definitely getting prepared. What about you? Americans rapidly losing hope as we head toward 2023. Will nuclear war be the end of civilization? This winter, Europe plunges into the new dark ages. And this one, just a couple days ago, World War III is coming. Will globalism succeed? We are headed For big tech tyranny. And this is a long one. Biometric blockade. Political critics could have bank accounts frozen as governments tend toward total control. And this one. Actor Russell Brand links Amazon's palm payment system to the mark of the beast. Israel moves closer to a cashless society following latest regulation. And this one from Rod Dreher, uh, who authored the Benedict Option, he wrote this, published just a couple days ago. I love the title. Cheer up, the world is ending. (laughs) Now, what do all these headlines have in common? They all describe real-time events. None of that, by the way, is fictional. I didn't make any of that up. Those are actual headlines Very recent articles, movements, events happening in our day. None of this is fictional. None of it comes from a sci-fi thriller. All of it is real. Lately, I have heard numerous people say that something big is about to happen. Someone told me that this, quote, something big, whatever it is, will happen before the midterm elections in November. Now, of course, see, you've heard that too. Of course, we do not know whether that is true or not. But this much is certain. We live in dangerous, unstable times. In the year 2000, a man by the name of Bill Joy wrote an article called, Why the Future Doesn't Need Us. That name will not be known to many of you, I suppose. He was the founder of Sun Microsystems, one of the early, early tech leaders This is what he said, as far as I know, not writing at all from a biblical perspective. He said, I think it is no exaggeration to say that we are on the cusp of the further perfection of extreme evil, an evil whose possibility spreads well beyond that which weapons of mass destruction bequeath to the nation states and on to a surprising and terrible empowerment of extreme individuals. Just ponder that. Last little phrase. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Well, the Bible does talk about this. Second Timothy 3, 1 warns us that in the last days, perilous times will come. Jesus himself spoke of a time so frightening that men would faint for fear of what was about to happen. These now are the words of Jesus. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars on the earth. Nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Men will faint from terror apprehensive of what is coming on the world. That is Luke twenty one twenty five twenty six. 26. Those words seem more relevant today than they did when Jesus first spoke them 2,000 years ago. They perfectly fit these days. September 2022, the age of anxiety. One of the reasons so many people have come to this conference is because we all understand something is happening in our world. Something is happening. Jesus went on to say more about our current world situation. Quote, at that time, the end time, during those events, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. It's verse 27. Just before Jesus returns, the world will be in a state of unprecedented turmoil. Take the fear and turmoil over the Middle East and multiply it by a factor of 100 And you have the situation Jesus is talking about. A few years ago, Robert Joustra and Alyssa Wilkinson wrote a book with the wonderful title, How to Survive the Apocalypse. I learned about the book because we interviewed Miss Wilkinson on American Family Radio. And I'll tell you, the thing that struck me most as I looked into the book, this interesting book, was the first sentence... Of the first chapter, first sentence of the first chapter of the book, quote, the world is going to hell. That's a great first sentence. That book was published in 2016. Six years later, I can find no evidence to the contrary, and I can find much to support it. Let me ask the question another way. Tonight, tonight. Tonight. September 2022, where are we on God's calendar? A sober reading of the New Testament suggests that these are the next three events ahead of us. What is next? The rapture of the church, the worldwide apostasy, the rise of the Antichrist. Tonight, I intend to focus only on that last item, the rise, reign, and ruin of the Antichrist. So, let us then begin this way. It's quiz time. What do these names all have in common? Nero, the Pope, Barney the Dinosaur, Sam Donaldson, Adolf Hitler, Bill Gates. All of them, Barney the Dinosaur is purple, you can see it. All of them have been suggested as possible candidates for the Antichrist. And there are many more. The, the list of names over the last two thousand years is vast indeed. You could look it up. It's on Wikipedia's Wikipedia article with listing them so many of the different names that people have suggested, but some of them we know: Franklin, Delano Roosevelt, Joseph Stalin, Benito Mussolini, Francisco Franco, Henry Kissinger. And I'm old enough to remember when people messed around with the last name Kissinger and they somehow made it equal 666. And that dates me a little bit. Ronald Reagan, Mikhail Gorbachev, who was in the news recently because he died. The list includes every recent president, including Barack Obama, Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Perhaps the best way to think about this is to say that we have been guessing about the Antichrist for 2000 years and so far. Every guess has been wrong, or at least they haven't been right yet. Now, tonight, I can't and won't attempt to identify the Antichrist. In God's time, he will be revealed. You are certainly free to make your own guesses. May I say to you, as I survey the world situation, there is no shortage of good candidates today. (laughs) When we come to the Antichrist, some things we know, some things we don't know. We know there will be an Antichrist. We don't know his identity. We know he will rule the world. We're not sure how he's going to come to power. We know he rises somehow from the revived Roman Empire. We don't know which part he comes from. We know he's going to work closely with the false prophet. More about him later. We don't know the false prophet's identity. We know that he will apparently, and underline that word, he will apparently die and come back to life. We don't know how that will happen. We know he will control the world economy. We're not totally certain, though we can make some good guesses about how he obtains that power. We know he requires his followers to wear his mark. We don't know tonight the precise nature of the mark. We know the number of his name is what? Six, six, six. But we don't know tonight exactly what that means. We know seven is the number of perfection. Six is one short. So, And it certainly is, is a reference to, to what man can do. To the greatness, to the greatness of what man can do, but it's all man can do. It's humanism, wholly apart from God. But beyond that, we don't know. And I, I'm saying it that way because tonight it is important that we stick with what the Bible says. Right? I mean, we we, we all get our guesses. You can get yours. I've got mine. I'm gonna give you a little bit of my guesses later. But we want to mostly tonight think about what. God has told us in His Word. And you know what? If you, just, if you just took the whole Bible, there's a lot in there about the Antichrist. It's not a small topic. The Antichrist, for instance, is given various names in Scripture. He's the little horn of Daniel 7. He is the prince who is to come of Daniel 9. He's the man of lawlessness of 2 Thessalonians 2. He's the Antichrist of 1 John 2, and he's the beast from the sea of Revelation 13. As to his identity, if you survey the names that have been suggested across the centuries, um, you discover most of the potential candidates tend to be either political leaders or military leaders. And particularly about political leaders, the ones we don't like we call the Antichrist. (laughs) But let, let me just drop something in here early. Things have changed. We live in a different world, a a world different than even 30 or 40 years ago. Today we see companies that transcend all borders, huge companies, multinational corporations, companies like Amazon, Facebook, or Meta, Google, Apple, or Microsoft. These companies are fantastically wealthy and global in their reach. These companies depend heavily on the Internet. Taken together, these companies and their associated Um, parts control a huge part of the world economy, the banking system, and global communications. And I just point that out to say that perhaps we should broaden our thinking about the Antichrist and say, yes, a political leader, yes, a military leader. But I think it's not impossible, may even be likely, that the Antichrist may actually uh, rise out of technology, information technology. Because let us face it, and um, let us face it, Whoever controls the Internet now will control the whole world. Just something to think about, the days in which we're living. Now, when you come to the New Testament, there are two strands of teaching, two strands. Number one, John tells us in 1 John 2, there are many Antichrists in the world. 1 John 2, 18, it is the last hour. And as you have heard, the Antichrist, he's talking about the end-time ruler, it is the last hour. You've heard that the Antichrist is coming, and even now, and that's 2,000 years ago, many Antichrists have come. All we need to know about that is, that means, though there is a final end times Antichrist yet to be revealed, the spirit of the Antichrist can be found everywhere, in every age, every generation. So that's one thing. There are many antichrists in the world. The second strand from the New Testament is this. The man of lawlessness is coming. He is coming. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. The man of lawlessness. That's the antichrist. He will be revealed. The man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and exalt himself over everything that is called God and is worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Uh, Michael Rydelnik talked about that uh, a little bit in the second hour this morning of Openland, how the, the temple at some point is going to be rebuilt in Jerusalem and in the midpoint of the tribulation, which is clearly what Paul is talking about. The Antichrist is going to go into that temple. He's going to shut down the sacrifices. He's going to proclaim himself. As God, he's going to demand that the world worship him. And guess what? Guess what? For three and a half years, he is going to rule the world despotically, and most of the world will gladly follow him. So, his spirit is always with us. He will be revealed in the last days. Who then is the Antichrist? Let me give you a little, just a little sketch, taking all the threads of the Bible together. The Antichrist is a man who will appear on the world scene in the last days, just before the return of Jesus Christ to the earth. He is described in both Testaments, the Old and the New. He will be the very incarnation of evil, cleverly disguised as a dynamic charismatic, visionary leader. He will astound the world with his solutions to human problems. His empire will span every continent, and his rule ultimately will be the most demonic the world has ever experienced. He will rise to world domination by declaring himself a man of peace." Now, I agree totally with what Michael said this morning about Daniel 9, 27, and that he's going to somehow broker a peace deal in the Middle East, which has so far been elusive, no matter who is in power. He's going to proclaim himself a man of peace. Later, he will will plunge the whole world into global war. Eventually, and not long, his true character will be revealed. He will be opposed to Jesus Christ, and he'll offer himself to the world. As the savior of humanity, he will control the global economy and force his followers to receive a mark on their hands, on their foreheads. Most of the world willingly follows him. Get that sentence. Most of the world willingly follows him. To use a biblical phrase, they will believe a lie and be damned. Those who do not receive the mark will be hunted down and many, if not most, will be killed. For a short period of time, 42 months, he will be the most powerful man on earth. At the apex of his power, he launches an all-out attack on Jesus Christ at a place called Megiddo in the valley of Jezreel in the central region of Israel. That battle is known in the Bible as Armageddon. His reign of terror will come to a sudden end when he is destroyed by the Lord Jesus Christ as he returns to the earth to set up his kingdom. So... How close are we tonight to the Antichrist? Closer than we think. Closer than we think. The stage, I believe, is set. I have no date to give you, no name to give you, and no date to give you. But I do believe, biblically speaking, the stage is set. America is in trouble. We understand that, don't we? America is desperately in trouble. Franklin Graham in his decision America tour he said it very simply our deepest problems are spiritual yes america is in trouble killing the unborn 1.3 million a year over 60 million the selling of aborted body parts the legalization of gay marriage the attack on the concept of male and female. We are a deeply divided nation tonight. Religious liberty is under attack. Let me, uh, let me step out of my sermon for just a moment. I want to recommend two books to you. Both of them are written by my friend, Erwin Lutzer. You know Dr. Lutzer? Longtime pastor of the Moody Church in Chicago. has written two wonderful books. Both of them, his most recent books, have come out in the last two years. Uh, One is called We Will Not Be Silent, last year. And this year wrote a follow-up to it called No Place to Hide. It came out this month. It's brand new. We Will Not Be Silent and No Place to Hide. The best analysis I have seen of of the many moral issues facing our nation and our culture. So where are we tonight? Have a gifted pediatrician friend. Who, who read something I wrote about all this and my friend wrote back and she said this sentence in her note to me, America has gone insane. And one of the tragedies of it, all pastors have been intimidated into silence. One of the reasons I love Pastor Brian is he has not been intimidated into silence. Brian, we could use another thousand or ten thousand just like you all across America. Ever wondered why the early church got in trouble with the Romans, and yet the church managed to to grow under persecution? Francis Schaeffer, in his great book, How Should We Then Live, asked this question. Why did the Romans kill the early Christians? Number one, he says, because they were rebels. Number two, because they believed Jesus was the only true God. And then he said this, no totalitarian authority or authoritarian state can tolerate those who have an absolute by which to judge the state and its actions. The Christians had that absolute in God's revelation because the Christians had an absolute universal standard by which to judge not only personal morals, but the state, they were counted as enemies of totalitarian Rome and were thrown to the beast. This is where we are going. This is where our society is going. So, where are we in relation to the Antichrist? To answer that question, we turn then to Revelation chapter 13, which is the most detailed explanation in the Bible about the Antichrist. It tells us, in short form, Revelation 13 tells us about two, two coming world leaders. Who will be masters of evil. They work together to do the devil's bidding. John presents them to us as two wild beasts, one rising from the sea of the nations, we call him the Antichrist, the other rising from the land, in this case apparently the land of Israel. We commonly call the first beast the Antichrist, and the second beast we call the false prophet. Now, I do not have the time tonight to attempt a full exposition of this chapter. Here's all I want to do in the next few minutes. I want to focus on the signs that lead us eventually to the mark of the beast. There are five such signs in Revelation 13. Sign number one, satanic leadership. Satanic leadership. Reading now from Revelation 13 verse 2. The beast I saw. It's the beast up from the sea. The beast I saw... Resembled a leopard, but it had feet like those of a bear, and a mouth like those of a, dra- of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and his authority. Start with the last part of that first. The dragon, you go back and read Revelation 12, the dragon is the devil himself, okay? Whatever we're going to be told here, whoever this person is, his power, his authority, his throne, all that he does, comes directly from hell. But then we're told, the beast look like a leopard, feet like a bear, mouth like a lion. You know what that's a reference to, don't you? It's Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7, in Daniel's vision, he saw four beasts coming up out of the sea. He saw a lion, he saw a bear, he saw a leopard, and then he saw an unnamed, fearsome creature coming up uh, that that evidently didn't look like any animal Daniel had ever seen before. We're told later, figure out later, the lion is Babylon, the bear is Medo-Persia, The leopard is Greece, and that final fearsome beast is Rome itself. In other words, what we're being told here, this beast coming up out of the sea, he he combines the worst, if you will, characteristics of those ancient pagan empires. It's as if you took Hitler, Stalin, Chairman Mao, Attila the Hun, Alexander the Great, Kim Jong-il, and rolled them all into one. That's the Antichrist. Think of it this way. Because the world rejected the lamb, the world will now receive the beast. Satanic in origin. He is clever, ruthless, amiable, friendly, brutal, loving, the ultimate manipulator. No one at first suspects him. Millions will follow him. His true character is revealed later. Now, in chapter 13, basically it happens this way. He's revealed and then step one, a ruler dies, apparently. If you, if you even look at it in the Greek in Revelation 13, even John wasn't sure what he was seeing there, but it looked like he actually dies and then actually comes back to life. Step one, a ruler dies. Step two, the ruler is restored to life. Step three, the whole world sees the event. Step four, the whole world follows the beast, the Antichrist. Step five, men worship Satan. Step six, men worship the beast. In other words... Number, in other words, he is the counterfeit Christ. And the whole world, basically, whole world, almost, will follow him. He is both political and religious. He is a modern-day Caesar. He will utterly dominate life on earth. All men must worship him or else. That's number one satanic leadership sign number two open blasphemy open blasphemy come on down to verse 5 of revelation 13 the beast remember that's the antichrist now was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise its authority for 42 months three and a half years last half of the tribulation period verse 6 it opened its mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and all those who live in heaven. Here is the irony of all of this. God controls all things. We know that. and We believe that. Yet Satan controls the beast who in turn blasphemes God and attacks his people. Men voluntarily follow the beast who leads them to kill God's people who display their faith in the face of death through patient endurance and faithfulness. Now, Following Jesus, following Jesus is not always easy or popular, but in those dread, difficult days of the tribulation, it will be difficult indeed. As bad as things are, the presence of the church right now restrains evil. Once the church is removed at the rapture, the earth becomes Satan's playground. Sign number three. Open blasphemy, open blasphemy. Drop down to verse 11. Then I saw a second beast. Different now, different, different. First beast is the Antichrist. John says, I saw a second beast. First one comes up out of the sea. The second comes out of the land, perhaps the land of Israel, I think. Possibly, I think maybe. All we're told is he comes up out of the earth. Different, different origin than the first beast. Antichrist here. Who's the second one? It had two horns. Ah, look at this phrase, like a lamb. There's only, there's only one lamb. There's only one lamb in the book of Revelation. I saw a lamb standing as if slain. So what is up with this beast who has horns like a lamb? But look. It spoke like a dragon, like a dragon, like the devil himself. It exercised all the authority of the first beast on its behalf. In other words, this second person is basically working for the first person. The Antichrist has his PR man, the false prophet. And look what it says. He made the earth and its inhabitants Worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed like a lamb, like a lamb. He's going to come on the scene and he's going to seem like Jesus. He's going to talk like Jesus. He's going to, quote, act like Jesus. He's going to claim to represent Jesus. He's going to be a religious leader. He serves the Antichrist And does his bidding. He will be part of the apostate church in the last days. His name may be Bishop so-and-so. He will pray, but not to Jesus. He will seduce millions. And by the way, I've already alluded a couple times now to, see, Revelation 13 is so interesting here. John says, "I I saw one of the heads of the first beast, one of the rulers. He was wounded as if he was dead and then he comes back to life. We're told here his fatal wound was healed. In other words, John even John saw it and described it. He's not even sure what he saw. So whatever it is, whatever it is is done by Satan's power. It's an exact fake copy of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a counterfeit resurrection, a counterfeit Messiah, a counterfeit death, a counterfeit coming back to life. In other words, what's being unfolded to us here in Revelation 13, for the last days, there's going to be a counterfeit trinity. Satan, the anti-God, the first beast, the anti-Christ, the second beast, the false prophet, the anti-Holy Spirit, and millions will follow them. So, so we should not be surprised, should we? To see, just looking at these first three signs, we should not be surprised at the rise of Satanism in our day, devil worship in our day. We should not be surprised um, at the rise of um, of apostate religion that uh, claims to believe in Jesus but denies everything the Bible says. We just shouldn't be surprised. Much more of that. We shouldn't be surprised. At the blasphemy that goes on around us. Much more of that is to come. Sign number four. Here it gets interesting in a new way. Sign number four. Altered reality. Huh? Huh? Altered reality. Well, we've, we've already been given a clue right here. Right here. Did he die or didn't he die? John's not totally sure what he saw in Revelation 13. Look at verse 14, the altered reality. Because of the signs, it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast. Talking about the false prophet now. He deceived the inhabitants of the earth. Now watch this. This is going to happen during the tribulation. The false prophet, that second beast, he ordered them to set up an image. Uh, An image. A statue maybe? A uh, moving statue? A 3D statue? Moving statue, a hologram, hologram, uh, um, a hologram, you know, we we don't know. John didn't know. John didn't know what it was. But he's going to order people to set up this statue in honor of the Antichrist who was wounded by the sword. And yet, let's see, this comes up again and again, Revelation 13. So what's up? Look at verse 15. The second beast was given power. Here's where it really gets strange. Second beast was given power to give breath, the breath of life, to the image of the first beast, to that statue, to that hologram, whatever it is, so the image could speak. So now you've got a statue that through some satanic power begins to talk as if it's alive or is alive. John didn't know. So the image could speak and cause all who refused the image to be killed. Here we go. He performs miracles. We're talking about the false prophet. He mimics Elijah of old. He deceives millions of people. He sets up an image to honor the beast and he gives life to the image. Well, we're right there. Virtual reality, augmented reality, AI, artificial intelligence. They can take they can take your voice, and through AI, the others, they can, they can make you say anything. They call it a deep fake. It's happening. The technology, that's not technology tomorrow, that's technology of today. So that you're looking at something and you think it's real, but it's not real. Or you think you're looking at something, and you think you get all of it, but you're only getting part of it because you, because the people are somebody with the with the technology is they are twisting reality to make you think you're seeing something you're not seeing. So okay, so okay. Yesterday, yesterday, I was um, to, to get from New York to get here, flew or to get back home and then to get here, flew from Albany, New York to. Detroit. It's a beautiful airport there and had about an hour between flights. So I was walking. There's a kind of a big, almost like a shopping mall there in the Detroit airport. And I was walking through that shopping mall and um, I saw, I saw an arch there. It was put up by Delta, Delta Airlines. Okay. That's what I've been flying on. And you know what it said? It said parallel reality. So it's parallel reality. I was already thinking about this, this, this message. Parallel reality, and he said, "If you want to see it, uh, come up here and scan your ticket, and you'll see it." So I had a few minutes. I go up there, and I scanned my ticket in. And so the, you had the arch, you had the you, you had the desk where the where the attendants were working. And again, this is in the middle of that shopping mall in the airport. And when I put my when I put my uh, boarding pass in, and, it, and the machine did whatever it did. The the woman said, now come and stand right here. And there was a huge, there was a huge board of um, electronic board, the electronic billboard. I mean, it's big, enormous. But there wasn't anything on it, okay? There's nothing on it. I mean, it was there, but it was, wasn't saying anything. And she said, now just stand here for a second. And I stood there for a second. And all of a sudden, I saw my name up on the board. I said, my name? And it said your flight number is, and you're on, You're going to A29, and you got to walk that way. Seven minutes. I said, "How does this do that?" And she said something like, "Well, it reads the pixels on your head." I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I I don't know. So I asked her again, and she said, "It pixels on your head." Okay, I don't know. So I said. I said, so everybody can see that. She said, no. You see that man over there? He had just scanned his ticket in. He stood two feet from me. She said, when he looks at that screen, he sees his name, his flight, his gate, where he's going. If there's eight people there, there's eight different things. Up on that screen. And each person sees only that which applies to them. And if you were walking by standing over here, it would look completely blank to you. That question. And by the way, in terms of technology, that's child's play. That is child's play. That's nothing. And I want to ask you a question. What's reality there? Who is seeing reality at that point? I saw my reality, right? But the guy next to me, he didn't see what I saw. So who knows what the answer to the question is. See, that's what technology can do. It can make you think you're seeing the total truth. It can manipulate reality to cause you to see things that aren't really there. I'm telling you, this is the world in which we are living. Sign number five, sign number five, global control. Let's get down to it now. Verses 16 and 17. He, the Antichrist, we're back to the first beast now. He also forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead, so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. And you know what it says. Anybody who would not receive the mark is what? Hunt down, put to death. There are many mysteries here, but the general thrust is clear. The last days will produce a globally linked economy in which one world dictator can control the means of commerce. We are not that far from that situation today. Already, we're living in a virtual cashless society on our way up here. Marlene and I stopped at uh, Culver's there in Iowa City and bought whatever we bought. How do we pay? Not with cash. Give them what? A credit card. We weren't doing that five or 10 years ago now. But, you know, cash, that's from the last century. I mean, it's all it's all done online now. I mean, there are computers with detailed files on everyone living in the United States. Not to speak of China and India and every country on the earth. Look, you know, you take your credit card. numbers are fed into the computer. However, it does that. Checks your credit record, approves or disapproves of your transaction. It all happens in seconds. The only human hands involved are those who take your credit card at the point of sale. Let's say it to you this way. All right? Look. All right? This is my beautiful iPhone 13-something-something, something, whatever it is. 13. It's already out of date now, all right? There's another one now. so I need to get a new one, honey, because there's a... <laughs> she said no, so okay. But I tried. I tried. I thought I could slip it past her, but no. Let me say it to you this way. I've never, I, I am dead cold serious to you. Whoever controls this controls me. Control, control the credit system, control the internet. I mean, we got to drive home tomorrow to Kansas. What, what are we going to do? I mean, what would you do if you went, if, if you went to the gas station and you pushed it in and it said refused and you pushed it in and it said refused. What would you do? And and you couldn't get it to work. And you tried every credit card and it said refuse, refused, refused. What would you do if you tried to turn on your, your cell phone and it didn't work and you went to your phone and it said access to the internet has been denied? It's the end of life for it's the end of life for us. Whoever controls this controls me. And this is where we are today. Look, we already have Alexa and Siri, they're listening. Somehow, how that happens, but they do. You know, you, Alexa, play, and it does. It's it, 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 and Siri knows. It is only a short step. Oh, oh, a tiny short step from where we are to being denied access to the internet, depending on your approval by the central computer system. Now, I want to say clearly: none of these things are. Direct prophesied by scripture but all of them fit with the general picture of a global economy linked by a global communication system under the control of a global dictator the first two are virtually in place only the last one remains unrevealed what about the mark of the beast Uh, all we can say is evidently it's easily readable It's going to permit people to buy or sell. Having the mark in that day will not be optional. And in that day, the meaning of 666 will be clear to all. So the current movement toward global communications, global banking, paperless banking, computerized commerce, all of that paves the way for the Antichrist to take over in the last days. I mean, you think of it. Social security numbers, universal barcodes, debit cards, cashless banking, microchip technology, computerized banking, voice recognition technology, satellite technology, national identification cards, QC, Q, QC codes, QR codes, vaccine passports. All of it, all of it, all of it is, is happening around us. Let me let, go to the next slide, if you will. This is from August World Economic Forum, that's a name you need to know, recommends humans become cyborgs, implant brain chips. There are solid, rational reasons for children to be microchipped. Let me, uh, let me say this, one or two things, then we'll wrap up and be done tonight. Um, widespread crime and fraud, like we see around us is going to make the demand for universal identification, persuasive and go to the next one. If you would please. Yeah. Whoever controls the internet controls the world. I was, uh, I was trained in Bible prophecy at Dallas seminary under Charles Ryrie, Dwight Pentecost and John F. walver great Bible teachers of the last generation, 50 years ago now. And, uh, they taught us, essentially, what I'm telling you tonight. But, you know, what's changed is Dr. Ryrie, Dr. Pentecost, and Dr. walford brilliant men, nobody knew 50 years ago how this was possible. Now we see it coming true before our eyes. The final days of the tribulation will bring us one world government, one world religion, and one world economic system. Those who resist will be summarily executed. Um... How close are we? All right, let me let me uh, let me talk about this pandemic just for one second. And I only want to say this: Do you understand that at the beginning of the pandemic in March 2020, seems like about 50 years ago? So much has happened, but back then, two and a half years ago, something happened. Something happened that has never. Happened before in world history, ever, ever. Nobody's ever even been able to attempt what happened in March 2020. When they decided, the leaders, when they decided to shut things down, the whole world shut down in one week. In one week. I I do not mean England and the U.S. I mean Bolivia. I mean Tanzania. Tanzania. I mean Sri Lanka, I mean Bangladesh, I mean New Zealand, I mean the Philippines, I mean Russia, I mean Finland, I mean Paraguay, I mean the islands, the whole world shut down because that's the world we're living in. It shut down in just one week. Almost Almost like a trial run. Almost. So what do we learn from Revelation 13? We learn of the rise of two evil leaders in the last days. The Antichrist rules the false prophet is his PR man. He will rule the earth for three and a half years, total world control. Those who oppose him will be killed. The mark of the beast will be real. I got a question. Why will people follow him? Why will they follow him? He's not an escapee from a mental institution. To the contrary, he's going to appear to be the very leader the world has been looking for. I'm sure he's going to be well-educated, urbane, witty, warm, and charismatic. He's going to claim to have your best interests at heart. That is why the world will welcome him. He'll be an appealing person, and his abilities will be extraordinary. He'll be an irresistible personality. In the words of the Apostle Paul, he'll be the ultimate angel of light. And in those dire days, driven mad by fear, by the collapse of the world as they have known it, lawmakers around the world unanimously vote to give this man absolute power over their lives, and they vow to kill anyone who opposes him. Everyone will follow this man. One by one, the people of the world will stand in line to receive the mark. Those who do will be fed and clothed and given some tiny bit of comfort in a world that seems to have spun out of control. But not everyone will follow him. And by the way, there's some good news coming. you got to come back tomorrow morning to get the real good news part of this. Yeah, yeah. you got to come back tomorrow morning to get the good news. There's some good news. You? And the good news is really good, but certain brave people, the followers of Christ during the tribulation, those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, they remain strong and true to their faith. They say no to the beast. In other days, maybe no one would care. But in those desperate days, anyone who refuses the mark will be called a traitor. They'll be hunted down like animals and put to death. They will starve, hiding in back rooms, closets, attics, and caves in the forest. Antichrist lives up to his name. He stands in the place of Christ, and will counterfeit his life, his death, his death. And even his resurrection, he'll be so close to the real thing that people will think they found the truth. Yet in the end, those who follow him will discover he's the exact opposite of everything the real Jesus stood for. You know who the Antichrist is? He's Satan's ultimate joke on planet Earth. A false Christ who, leads, who deceives the world and leads, leads millions to eternal hell. Is the Antichrist alive today? No one knows. I certainly do not know. Second question, if he is alive today, does he know he's the Antichrist? Actually, I doubt it. I think he's an egomaniac who thinks he's the hope of the world. What's ahead for planet Earth? Hard times and bad days. The spirit of Antichrist is alive and well. Those who take the mark will be eternally disappointed. Those who refuse, the believers in Jesus, face suffering and death. They are the true children of God. The stage is now set. All the actors are in place. The nations have come together just as the Bible predicted. Worldwide economy, the great reset, the digital world, instantaneous communication, global control. It's all coming together. People around the world seek a man, a leader, someone who can make their dreams come true. Where is that man? Perhaps he's waiting in the wings for the final curtain to go up. Let the audience be silent. The final act is about to Begin. How should all of this impact us? Number one, be prepared. Be prepared, friends. Be prepared. Stock up, pray up, look up. Be prepared. Number two, get right with God. There's never been a better day to be a Christian. Eventually, the whole world will have to make a choice, Christ or Antichrist. Why not come to Jesus now if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, if you believe that He died on the cross, if you believe He rose from the dead, run, run, run to the cross. Lay your sins on Jesus. Believe that He died for you and rose again on the third day. Open your heart to Him. Trust Him as your Lord and Savior. And then no matter what the future holds, you will have nothing to fear number 3 brace yourself friends brace yourselves the worst evil is yet to come no matter how good the world seems to be in terms of technology the moral compass is pointing in the wrong direction the unholy trinity of tolerance diversity and pluralism is paving the way for an outbreak of evil far beyond anything we have yet seen number 4 pastor Ray how can you say this stay calm <laughs> stay calm all right, Christians ought to be the calmest people on earth, because we know the Lord, and He holds the future in His hands. When Jesus warned us, Matthew 24, when He warned us about Wars and rumors of wars and kingdoms here and nations there and fighting and earthquake and pestilence and disease and false Christ and total confusion and chaos. There's a little phrase he added in there. See that you be not afraid. Those are either the words of a madman or they're the words of the Son of God. If we believe in Jesus, we can stay calm because everything is under His control. Number five, and finally, take a stand. The day is coming when there will be no middle ground, and I'm glad about that. In the end, nobody can sit on the fence. It's going to be Jesus or the Antichrist. This is no time for compromise. The day is to come, and I think it's coming quicker than we imagine. We're going to see persecution grow worse as those who know Christ are ridiculed for their faith. So, Pastor Ray, could you sum up for us in two sentences? what the Bible says about the Antichrist. Two sentences. Number one, there is an Antichrist. Number two, he's going down. The Antichrist will rise and fall, and Jesus will return to set up his kingdom on the earth. Even the Antichrist is an instrument in God's hand. He can do nothing without God's permission. When his time on earth is up, he will be utterly destroyed. Friends, we're already on the road to 666. But I want you to know tonight, I believe everything I said, but I am not scared. I'm going to sleep well tonight. These are great days to be alive. Fear not. Brothers and sisters, Antichrist will not have the last word. Hang on, friends. Hang on. Hang on. Just a little bit longer. Jesus is coming soon. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of truth given to us many centuries ago. We've seen it fulfilled before our eyes, and we believe that what is not yet fulfilled will come to pass according to your good plan. Help us, Lord, to see the spirit of Antichrist that's already in the world. Strengthen our faith. Make us bold for Jesus. May we never be ashamed to live for him, for he was not ashamed to die for us. Give us a spirit of encouragement that comes from knowing that you are in control of all things. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.